The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. While residents of Gaune village in Matatiel in the Eastern Cape say they're shocked by Nositailum Debeni's brutal murder, they say images of the University of Forte students' dismembered body that are circulating on social media have traumatized them. Debeni, who was studying towards an LLB, was allegedly killed by her boyfriend. The villagers are calling for justice. Ngulule Gonyembezi has more on that story for us. The Matati Yalborn student's death was mourned by many during a month dedicated to celebrating women. The Vice-Chancellor of the University of Forte, Sakele Buhlungu, says the university is shocked by Mdabeni's death and is looking into the matter. The university is in mourning at the moment. We are in utter shock. We've never seen or experienced anything of this kind. In this university, we appeal to the authorities to work with us to look at the Quigney area of East, of, of East London because most of our residential arrangements and our residences are in Quigney and therefore inevitably our students are exposed on a daily basis to the horrors of the violence, of the drugs, of the murder. Some of Mtebeni's parts were found dismembered in a suitcase while the rest of her body was found in a plastic bag in the house she shared with the man accused of a murder. Eastern Cape MEC of Social Development, Sibukazi Lusiti, has called for people to raise their voices in the fight against the scourge of gender-based violence. I am equally concerned about these seemingly normalized acts of violence against girls and women. It is a blatant disregard for human life which all people should take its upon themselves to ensure that it is defeated. Everyone must raise their voice and act decisively against gender-based violence in all its forms, wherever it raises its ugly head, and regardless of the perpetrator, for the sake of the family, loved ones, and society. It is important that we go beyond condemnation of the murder of Nosutel. The Department of Higher Education has also sent condolences to the family. The minister's spokesperson is Ishmael Manisi. The minister denounces such barbaric and shameful act committed against women, both in our institutions of learning and in society in general. The minister says that our society cannot continue to harbor such disgraceful people and criminals who are held bent to tear the moral fiber of our society apart. The minister says that he trusts that our criminal justice system will ensure his speedy prosecution. The Commission for Gender Equality has indicated that they will support the family during the bail hearing of the accused. The man will appear before the East London Magistrates Court on Monday. I am Kim Daniels in the Eastern Cape. And this morning, outside of the East London Court, we have hundreds of people that have gathered to mark the pass to mark the killing of Nositalum Tebeni and to demand justice for her life and to ask that the boyfriend who has been arrested not be granted bail. It was so interesting for me uh, yesterday um, looking at the, the, the suspect, the arrested suspect. So this is part of what he had written on his Facebook wall, right? I'm going to read it out to you uh, so that you have a sense of what he had said. Uh, what he had previously posted on his Facebook wall. Man must accept the fact that women are childish, crazy, sensitive, emotional, and moody. It's just a matter of choosing your idiot and settle down. That's his view. That's his view. Man must accept the fact that women are childish, 
crazy, sensitive, emotional, and moody. It's just a matter of choosing your idiot and settle down. So that's just one of the views that has previously been expressed by this young man that is now behind bars. Mara Glenny is the founder of the Tears Foundation and she joins me on the line. Mara, good morning to you and thank you so much for your time this morning. Good morning to you and good morning everybody. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you, although about a very sad uh, topic. Mm. I was just speaking now about just the comments that the the suspect that is before the East London uh, court today had previously posted about relationships and his views about women in general. And, you know, in that post, of course, there are lots of laughing and smiling faces. But the reality is that oftentimes it is what is said in jest, what is supposed to be humorous, the narratives about women that are created that ultimately underpin some of the problems we face in our society where women are not respected, where women's rights ultimately become violated. A hundred percent correct. And I think one of the sadnesses of our whole society is that we've become unsensitized that we Mm. don't recognize red flags because as you read that message one could immediately feel his disrespect for women Mm. and unfortunately as a society we experience disrespect on a daily basis and the difficulty is knowing when you're involved with somebody who disrespects Mm. women and I can list all the other things that go hand in hand with that but we all know them And we need to see the red flags because we so look at the world with rose-colored glasses that we oversee or over-forgive or bypass the things that should be red flags. So my first message to the listeners today would be if your partner is showing behavior that you wouldn't accept from one of your friends one of your children, one of your parents, don't accept it because you are in love with him and Mm. cover his wrongs because that's how we have eight women, uh, sorry, it's nine women a day that are murdered by their intimate partners Mm. in South Africa every day. That is an incredibly high number, uh, Mara, and, and one doesn't even begin doesn't even know where to begin in terms of uh, understanding the impact of that on on the families that are losing these women, on the children that are potentially losing their mothers involved here. Let's talk about this disrespect that you have have mentioned. How does disrespect manifest itself, especially in the context of the women that would often come to the Tears Foundation for assistance? What have you seen over the years? Well, I think there are a couple of indicators because it's quite often to identify, uh, difficult to identify. I'm a survivor of uh, intimate partner violence. Mm. My, my husband uh, tried to kill me because he was having an affair and I had indicated I would no longer carry on with the situation. And so what one finds is that when you get to the place, women get to the place, uh, or men, because intimate partner violence happens across this 
despair, uh, sphere, um, and you get to the place where you say up to here and no more, you've probably already gone too far. So I think one has to be very careful about what we accept and are they acceptable. I'll give you some examples in mm. answer to your question. If you have a partner who needs to know where you are every minute of the day, you're in an abusive relationship and it's going to end badly. If you have a partner who makes numerous calls over and over all throughout the day to make sure you are at work, then in fact he or she has become a pest, then you know the relationship isn't normal. It is not natural to phone a partner 20 times a day. If you have to report every single minute where you are, if you go to the shops and your partner starts phoning, where are you, when will you be home? If you have someone who checks your Facebook or your phone and says you can't be friends with someone, mm. those are all small indicators. And the sad fact is many of the people that we help, it starts off there. The next thing is consent is exceptionally important. I have many girls and the majority of the people I help um, are, are from all over South Africa and they represent our demographics. And the very interesting thing is that you'll have, especially young people don't know where to draw the line. It happens to old and young people, but they don't know that he will just be, carry on begging and pleading for sex until he forces, forcefully penetrates you. Mm -hmm. I must have two or three of those every single day. So we don't know where to draw our lines. We don't know where. We think because we're in a relationship with them, we have to perpetuate. I want to Mara, say that I Mara, I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to continue and, and I want us to stay um, a, a little bit longer on this issue of consent so sure. that it really is clear and, and our listeners can also weigh in on the conversation that we are having with Mara Glini, the founder of the Tears Foundation. You can get in touch with us on 011-714-2006. So what are the red flags? What are the red flags in relationship? relationships what are the warning signs that we should all be mindful of that perhaps tell us a lot more than we might be willing to accept about the kind of relationships that we are in on the whatsapp line 0614-104-107 on twitter it's at sfm radio the hashtag sfm talking point it's 9 30 luyanda maume standing by with your latest news headlines SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide, leading the conversation. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're in conversation with uh, Mara Glenny, who is the founder of the TS Foundation. And so far, she's been telling us about the red flags in relationships. Uh, you know, be mindful of the disrespect that you might be shown in relationships. Be mindful of the tracking of your movements in relationship because there is a point where it is unhealthy. Have you ever ignored some of the signs before? So having seen something as worrying, um, what, what have you done to respond to it in the context of, uh, of a relationship? I'd love to hear some of your personal stories and experiences with our subject today. The number to dial 011-714-2006. Mara, you were speaking about the issue of consent and the fact that so many women in relationships are often coerced into sex and coerce, coercion in itself is does not exonerate it from being a form of sexual assault. 
Absolutely, 100% agree. So let's just give you a couple of coercive examples. Um, but you had sex with me before. Well, so what? It's my body. I can choose to say yes or no. And if I had sex with you before, it doesn't mean I give you permission now. Mm. And so what I've found, especially for young people, that they don't know those barriers. So having sex before doesn't mean you give permission today. It is very important to know that it is your body and it's your decision. If you just have a look at the thousands of young women that have had pregnancies, it's been reported as headlines, the number of young girls that are pregnant. A 10-year-old girl being pregnant? What a shocking state for our country that we've got thousands of... The figure was 634 babies were mm. delivered to girls between 10 and 14 years old. They could never have given consent. So let's just be very clear. At 16, you can give consent. But if you still live in your parents' home, up until 18, they are providing for you. There's a very gray area. At 20 and 19, you are able to consent. But consent must be given freely. It can't be coerced, but I bought you a lovely dinner, mm. but you kissed me, but you've taken your clothes off. If you are butt naked and you change your mind, it is your body and you can stop engaging. That's it. That's how clear it is. Mm. It has to be freely given, not coerced. Mara, one of the things that one thinks about when we look at the stories of women that were killed just this past weekend in this country, you know, one woman was found, uh, Balisa Marubing, she was found hanging um, from a roof in the northwest. We also brought the story of the police constable who was strangled in, in the free state. And so they, there's no part of our province, of our country rather, that is untouched by this scourge. One thinks about the research that organizations like yourself have done that say that the first, when a woman is killed, chances are that was not their first encounter or experience with violence from the perpetrator, especially where intimate partner relationships are concerned. Speak to me a little bit about that and you know some of the things that also force women or that lead to women rather um, being quiet about the abuse they may be subjected to? Well, that's such a, um, a moving story because as I disclosed, I'm, an, I'm a survivor of uh, intimate partner violence that nearly cost me my life. So the first thing that happens is we are not a supportive society. Mm. People always try to look for a reason, and it's unfathomable when you look at the number of murders and deaths that we have in our country that we haven't changed our mindsets yet. So people try to look for a reason why it happened. He, she was drunk, she was abusive, she was doing this, she was that. So the societal, we don't view violence against women in our country as a societal problem. 
it is not yet identified that we as a society need to change our way of thinking. We view it as sensationalism. Mm. And that is so heartbreaking because until such time as we acknowledge that as a country we have got a problem, we can't address the issue. So we can't do it alone. We have to get men to help us. They have to participate. You have to teach your men to look after their women and boys to respect women and girls to demand to be respected. So until we have a societal about turn, I'm afraid the difficulties will persist. We don't get the help at the police station because when I went to report my case, they said there was nobody to help me on a Friday. I must come back on Monday when a qualified person is there. And so I know that even though that happened to me 19 years ago, and I can never, ever forget as I talk to you how I felt, I know that every day I deal with people who've received that same help, the same advice. Mm -hmm. They've even been told, go home and fix it up. So as a society, we need to understand that gender-based violence is a life-threatening situation. We're taking your calls on zero double one seven one four two double zero six. How do we call gender-based violence out? And and in many ways, it, it begins with us, right? It begins with what I do when I see my colleague coming to work with a blue eye or you know with with unexplained bruises and i do get the sense that there could well be something up and often we have heard of this cult in the country where people just turn the blind eye and they say well it's not my business it's none of my business can we continue with a situation where we say it's none of my business when at the end of the day so many women turn out are, you know, being killed, turn out being hurt. Is that an attitude? Is that a posture that we as a society can afford to have? John, you're calling us from Bloemfontein. Good morning to you. Uh, Sis Kiss, I don't know if it's a good morning, but good morning anyway. Mm. Sis Kiss, my daughter is seven years old. Mm. It was a great day last week. Yeah? We had this conversation with at UCT, we are having this conversation again with the lady from East London. Yeah? Until when, Sis Kiss, are we going to have this dialogue every single time this thing happens? I'm scared from my own child now already. Yeah? Mm. Maybe the dialogue should move to you and your producer. It's a challenge to you guys. Getting a time expect to un- for, to make us understand how things are happening in in Botswana, where they still practice the death penalty for such things. Maybe we can have that that conversation and go towards implementing that also as a country, because we are sick and tired as men who are fathers to to girls to listen to these stories every single time they happen go back to another dialogue mm. and to men I want to call them out whether you paid Lobola or you did what none of you own anybody in this world don't confuse culture with your stupid masculinity of whatever none of you own anybody if somebody's child has done you wrong 
walk away. Stop this thing of killing women with the, with the, with the excuse that you paid no ball or whatever. None of you own this woman. Mm. None of you. We must stop having this dialogue of MECs and, and, and ministers of, of education releasing statements telling us about uh, we, we are ashamed and whatever. No, that must end. We must go towards communicating of how we implement the death penalty. Because now this guy, we are going to feed him, we are going to give him electricity, we are going to make sure that he's well taken care of in prison. His rights are going to be taken care of. Whereas he butchered somebody's child with no shame. With no shame at all, mm, mm. Yet you are again here having the same dialogue we had with Mkhoikana when, when she was killed at, at, at the post office. It must end this dialogue. John, uh, yeah, and 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 the reality is that it, it will only end when the killing ends. So as long as the killing goes on, the conversation will continue. Uh, you you know, yeah. An expert mm. come and tell us how are things happening in Botswana? Are they having such a high volume of people killing women, or is it, is, is it what is happening there? We need to know so that we can implement the death penalty. So that whoever thinks again. To kill somebody's child for whatever reason, he must know he will not live a day as well. John, I just wanted to find out from you. So, when you hear these stories uh, of women being killed, etc., and you think about your daughter, you look at your daughter, how does that affect how you actually engage and relate with your daughter and the limits and the boundaries that you set around her? Already, I'm already. Without even hearing stories, I'm very protective of that girl. Mm. I, even my 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 her mother has an issue with me of how I discipline her. I don't even hit her on the arm or whatever because I understand she's a child. She must do childhood things. So whatever mistake she does, I can verbally ask her not to do that and to show her. So already I'm very overprotective. So you can imagine if I hear such stories. I can just imagine whoever's going to come and, and propose to my daughter one day. How safe do am I going to feel that this guy is going to take care of my daughter? John, thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling in, bringing in um, the male perspective there. Rich, you're calling us from Durban. Rich, good morning. Hi, Kevin, and, and your guest. Um, I'm listening, um, I listened to your narration of this guy's uh, Facebook post mm. and also to the information that your expert guest is, is saying. And I'm putting all that together with the fact that I have two sons and one daughter. And um, I'm thinking that this must start from home. Mm. Um, also, at the same time, I'm thinking that we already have broken adults, damaged adults. And then I don't know to what extent we can do something about that. But um, maybe if I could just ask your guest, to what extent um, does she come across situations where if they do the analysis, it all starts from home and then it spreads to society and then we have a society like this? Mara? You know, um, uh, thank you so much for, for phoning in and, and joining us. I, I think I want to give you some alarming statistics, which are a fact about South Africa, that in terms of sex crimes, 
In South Africa, 60% are committed by family members, 30% by family, friends, nuns, teachers, drivers, whatever, and 10% are committed by strangers. So immediately we see from those statistics that home plays a very big role, not only in the, uh, the rapes and sex crimes, but in influencing the lifestyle. So where you said it must start at home, you are 100% right. We have to talk about it. I ran a training course by way of example in Soweto not long ago, and I used the words because we 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 use incorrect uh, uh, techno, uh, words and we don't call it a penis or a vagina because people get embarrassed by those words. But when our child has to go to court, he or she has to know those correct words. And one of the young girls that I trained got a hiding when she got home because she was using those words. Her parents were furious with her. And, and although I'd got a consent form, they gave her a hiding. And so we've got to understand that we've got to be talking about these things in the home with openness. So my view is that your children have got to be able to say anything to you at any time. You mentioned you've got three, uh, two boys. They need to talk to you about stuff. You need to say to them, when you do this and this, this and this happens. Because a lot of it happens because teenagers are young and they do experimentation. And if they don't know the truth and the barriers and the consequences, because mm-hmm. this large amount of preg- teenage pregnancies that we've got is because the people don't understand the consequences that sex is not a recreational activity. It is an activity that has consequences. So absolutely, education at home is vital, but telling them the true facts, Mm. calling body parts on their names and talking about how to prevent pregnancy and what to do if you want to have sex. Yes. Also, yeah, um, thanks for, for that. Because I'm thinking this must start from home, including at home, breaking down of barriers of communication yes. in in terms of openness. Um, yes. To what extent can my daughter talk to me about the things that she wants to talk Absolutely. to me about? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 rich son. you you know oftentimes one of the difficulties is that the culture that we have in society is what creates the kind of environment where people do feel uh, courageous to speak about what has happened to them. So when you listen to the statistics that Mara is reading out, where 60% of this abuse takes place within families, you've got to ask yourself, is there no one? Are there, is there no one in the family that sees the behavior of this individual that is the perpetrator of this kind of action? Does nobody see the red flags from them? And it begins with just some of the things that we allow to to slide by. There'll be some uncles that are known for being a bit physical with children, insists on the children kissing him on the lips. Yes. And it's, it's, it's just like, no, no, it's nothing, it's nothing. But in our context, it's not nothing. Yes. And, and so the minute that we ourselves as families are not honest about even the behavior that is being exhibited by some of those around us that we love and are not calling it out, 
We are then creating room for these people to go out into broader society and carry on perpetuating that very same kind of behavior. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Um, it's orientation um, in families, as you say, Katie. And if, orient- if the kind of orientation, okay, you call it culture, as I'm saying, it was culture, um, it grows to orientation, how we are in the family. Mm-hmm. And then if we continue like that, we get these that get away. Yeah. All right. The ones that we capture, we capture. The ones that get away, it, it, it gets away. So it's in the families um, before it spreads to society. Thank you. All right, Rich. Thanks for that call. Rich out in Durban. Uh, Fumba, you're calling us from Durban as well. Good morning. Hi, uh, Sister, Sister KP, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Go for it. Yeah, it's saddening. Uh, I was listening to the to the introduction uh, that you that where you started this conversation. You know where you were saying that. Uh. Fumba, I I don't know. There's something up with that line. I think I may ask our our producers to redial you because uh, I'm not sure what's going on with that line. So let's take a quick break. I'm back with more of your calls as well. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. You can get in touch with us on 011-714-2006. That's the phone line on WhatsApp. You can send your messages and voice notes on 0614-104-107. Z in Cape Town says, Good morning, Kathy and guest. I was at the PNP Vangate Mall on Saturday. I saw a young lady and man. He said something to her. I couldn't hear what he said. Then I heard the one lady telling her friend that that man is stalking that lady. And she turned around and told the lady she was shocked. He then continued to make an appearance. These men are just forcing themselves onto women. Yeah, um, you you being, you know, somebody being stalked by a man in a shopping center. I know that's happened to me a number of times. And what do you deal? How do you deal with it? Why do men even feel like they have a right to follow you around in a shopping center? I'm sure there are many other women that have had a similar experience. Fumba in Durban, you're back on the line. Good morning. Can you hear me better now? Yes, much better. Okay, I was saying that, you know, it's disheartening. And I was listening to the introduction, introduction at the beginning of this show, you know, when you were asking, you know, as to what it is that hasn't been said about this thing that needs to be said. I mean, everything has been said. I'm also a father of an 11-year-old daughter, you know, and I get goosebumps when some of these things happen. You know, I just, I, just, I just am scared for my daughter, you know. But, you know, currently I'm reading a book by a gentleman called Wabi Long. You know, the title of the book is South Africa on the Couch Inside the Mind, uh, the mind of South Africa. He talks about um, how violence starts, you know, in the mind type of thing. You know, and he analyzes, uh, he goes deep into analyzing the psychology generally of people in South Africa and how the violence starts in the homes and spirals out into what we saw last month, you know, with the looting and all the type of things. So there is a point where he talks about the shame that um, individuals or that people harbor around having not achieved a certain standard of life in comparison to other people 
where when we look at uh, the gap between the rich and the poor in the country in South Africa, and that shame crystallizes into envy and it goes on and on and it becomes violent, you know. I think we still need to work hard in trying to bridge the gap between the rich and the poor. I know that it's a far-fetched thing that I'm saying right now, and it doesn't uh, maybe meet or tie well with what is happening now. But the bigger picture of it is that there is a lot going on in people's minds um, about the way things are going on financially in their lives. You know, there is a lot. I think I think a lot needs to be done in trying to bridge the gap between the rich and the poor. Because from Wabi Long's analysis of what is going on, I think I agree with a lot of things, you know, in his book uh, about the psychology of South Africa based on the gap between the rich and the poor. That's mm. what I wanted to say. Look, I, I suppose if that were true, it would mean that rich men don't abuse. It would mean that rich men don't you know are not violent in any kind of way towards uh, whether it's their partners or towards other women and yet we know that that's simply not the case not not starkly in in that kind of sense but if we can try to bridge the gap in the in the manner that i'm trying to put it in in mm. the, with the understanding that i have from that book we can try and minimize or shape things to a certain direction and then try and start to uproot certain elements that may uh, that may come, the offshoots that may come thereof. But generally speaking, you know, the, 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 it, it's too wide. It's too wide to catch, you know, because being rich, of course, doesn't mean that you're intelligent and you won't abuse and, and you're, you're well brought up type of thing. But um, we need to do it with an understanding that being rich does not mean that a rich person does not abuse. We need to pull all the resources, as Stephen Kroetis put it, uh, put it this morning when he was having his after-age debate. We need to pull all the levers um, that are there, you know, to say, what do we do? How do we do, do this? By mm. bridging the gap between the rich and the poor, by acting psychologically and teaching uh, children in schools, talking about homes. Homes are almost non-existent, you know. The home that I'm talking about or the home that I'm living in where I live with my wife and my kids and everything is, is but one. You know, there are many people who live in broken homes. What, what homes are we talking about? Because the majority of homes are non-existent in this country. You know, we talk homes, 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 but where are those homes? You know? Mm. Okay. All right, Fumba, thanks for that call. Active thanks, citizen. Uh, sure. Active citizen, you're calling us from Polokwane. Good morning. Uh, Please allow me to thread where the vultures fear most. I, I've got a problem uh, with the violence, and I'm not going to be encouraging it in any way. But I've got, I've got a problem also with most of you and the callers and your analysts, that you are looking at the violence from one side, you know, where it emanates from. And, and you are failing to deal with one of the most critical things that you need as a nation and as a people to start looking at that. What is the cause of this violence? Because you are looking at the solution of the, as to how can we come up with a solution to this violence without looking at the cause of the violence. And I am saying, it takes two to tango. The cause of violence, if we can deal with the cause of violence, then we'll solve the problem of violence. But the cause of the violence is not only men. It, is come, it comes from both sides. It comes from both male and female. 
Look, I want to give you an example, which I may not, because I'm not so very much educated. I may not be able to articulate it in proper English. But I want to say, even if you have got a dog in the house that cannot bite, but once you have cornered that dog, at the end of the day, it will bite you in order to escape from you. Why I'm saying this is that the too many men who are found themselves in the violence which brought us to where we are today, they they found themselves at the corner and cornered by who? The male, the female people that were who are complaining today that were that that, that that were complaining that are being exposed to violence. And but we are failing to identify them. We're failing, we're unable to point a finger at them to say, You are the instigators of this violence. You yes, you are victims of violence, but you are also instigators of this violence. If you can behave yourself, do the right thing at the right time with, in, in the correct manner. If you've got a problem in the house, try to engage your men and the family and so forth and so on. The men may not even come to a level of engaging in the form of violence to deal with that problem. But because so, you are so so, so 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 active citizen, active citizen. Yes. Are you saying to me that all of the women that have experienced some form of violence against them? That that has happened, and please note that it it's not just all. it's not just women, right? No, it can be so, all. Hey, it can be all of them. But women. you're talking like it is all of them. No, I, I've never said that. That is why I'm saying, eh, Kathy, that is where the problem is. Eh? If if you can listen to each and every, I'm talking, and, and as I'm speaking to you now, there are millions of men that are unable to call this show because whenever a person comes up with a different narrative, is being attacked. I've never said all women. I am saying, my sister. If we can, women are the instigators of this violence. And I've never heard one word from any person, even from the president to all the levels. I've never came across one word which say women are to be blamed from, for, for this thing. So I'm saying women have got no power to, 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 to fight back. They've got no power to kill. They've got no power to, to do whatever. Hence, are victims of violence. But men have got that power. But let us leave the violence aside, but look at the cause of the violence. And I'm saying, part of this violence that you are complaining about is being caused by who? It's not only men who cause this violence. My, 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 men are the, are the, who are, who are, are the commissioners of violence, but they're not instigators of violence. So, so they're responding. The so, so active you know? citizen, you're saying that they, they're responding, they're being provoked. And, you know, uh, you, 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 you kill because my, she provoked yes. you. My, my point is, let me give you one another example here, Katie. There's no way, I'm talking about, and this one you can check with all the people that may call after me. There's no way in which I can walk out of my wife, my, my, I mean my house, go and drink alcohol, come back with a gun in my hand and kill my wife. You understand? So you must understand, you must understand. Once I start to go and drink alcohol and come back with a gun and kill my wife, there's something that has pushed me to that level. Yes, Why can't you, we just you, you were forced to do it. Thing? You were forced yeah? to do it, ne? You were forced to do I'm it. I'm saying, listen to me, listen to me. Yes, I'm why listening do, to you. That's what you're saying. Yeah, but, but wait, don't put words into my mouth. Ne? I am saying, Katie, let us look at what caused me to arrive at that conclusion. Because if you can look at the cause which made me to come to that conclusion, then we would have dealt with that's, that's what Who I'm saying, me? active citizen. You are saying that men commit these kind of acts because they're forced to do it. Of course. They've got, they've got no any other way to deal with the problem that they're faced with. Here's another thing, my sister. Okay. You know. Active, citizen, active, active citizen, I've given you enough time. It's 10 o'clock. Thank you. I need to go to the news. Okay, uh, Mara, I'll continue with you. Give you a chance to just respond to what Active Citizen has said in a moment. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
It's six after 10 o'clock. Welcome to the second hour of the show. We've been focusing on uh, gender-based violence over the past hour. I must say I'm still a bit taken aback by the call that we had from active citizens just going into the news um, who basically is, were saying that uh, those many men who kill women could in fact be justified because they are responding to Um, they have been provoked to that point. I I don't know what kind of provocation could justify ending somebody's life, ending somebody's life in such a brutal, brutal manner. I just, I don't don't know that there could ever be any kind of, of justification for ending somebody's life like that. Um, Mara Glenny is the founder of the Tears Foundation. Mara, firstly, thank you so much for having been with us for the past hour. Maybe let me just get um, your thoughts to what Active Citizen had said, and yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Thanks so much, Cathy. I I would like to just address something about life um, before I go on to Active Citizen. He said, and one of our previous callers, John, spoke about the death penalty in Botswana. And um, although my research was a year old, so I'm being I'm qualifying it, I found that Botswana had one of the highest rates of rape and abuse in Africa, and therefore the death penalty was no deterrent. So I just want to be very clear what are the causes of abuse, and they are power and control. So they're not about anger, as um, active citizen was saying, that you were pushed to be uh, angry. They're about lack of control of yourself and the fact that you want control over the person's every living moment, what they're thinking, what they're saying, what they're doing. So to be very clear, all kinds of uh, sexual abuse are based on control. It's not about lust or that you were the sexiest girl or anything like that. It's totally about controlling. And that's very important to remember. So when an active citizen was speaking about that and, and putting in things about Lebola, etc., he, he wasn't being sincere because, in fact, if a person has annoyed you so much that you can't hold it in, you need to go for help. You are the one in the wrong. All right. Mara, let me thank you so much for coming on to the show and for just sharing your insights in onto uh, this important conversation. Mara Glenny, the founder of the Tears Foundation. So as you heard there, if you feel that you have been pushed to the point where you can no longer hold it in and the only way to respond is 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 by taking somebody's life you are in fact the one with the problem and of course we know that on a daily basis many women continue to face abuse in this country mara you want to give out the details uh, for the tears foundation where people can get in touch with you Yes, I would like to do that. We answer every single phone call and we help every person who writes to us. And it is uh, between nine and 10,000 people a month that we help. Mm-hmm. So the first service we have is star 134 star 7355 hash. Star 134 star 7355 hash. That is a free number you can use anywhere in South Africa that will give you the nearest place you can go to for help. 
Um, also on that line, we have an emergency service. So in other words, if you're in a life-threatening situation, you choose option two, and within literally 20 or less seconds, someone will call you back. And if you need help, we'll send a security company or the police to help you, simply because we know that abuse costs lives. Then the last number I want to give is my personal email address, which is Mara, M-A-R-A, at tears, T-E-A-R-S, dot C-O, dot Z-A. If you have a problem that's unresolved, whether it's about someone stalking you, as Kathy mentioned, it's because that's a very big problem, or uh, an unrelated sexual uh, problem of abuse, you can ring me or mail me and we will help you. Thank you so much. Mara, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Mara Glenny is the founder of the Tears Foundation.